Hello, and welcome to Metro Insights, a show about cable containment and the wider construction industry. Today, we're turning the focus back onto ourselves at Metpro Group, specifically our manufacturing brand, Demon Cato. And just before anybody reaches for the pause button or the big cross in the top corner, we're not going to be telling you how much, how much labour saving you can get with roller tray. Well, at least not now, maybe the end. Um, and instead, we're going to be talking more exclusively about what's involved in this brand. Um, I'm actually joined today by our executive chairman and uh, somebody who once wanted to dub himself the Grand Fromage, Arthur Rudge. Hello, Arthur. Morning, Jake. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us lowly marketeers down here. I know you've got much more important things to probably be doing. But um, I think your your best place to, to talk us through this, obviously, you know, Metpro has been your business since 1995 um, and you're still heavily involved. So if you're OK, we'll dive straight in. OK. When... People think here Demon Cato. I would argue that they more more often than not they go straight to Conlock. That seems to be the most associated term. But as we know, there's a lot more to it than that. But before we get really into it, I think a bit of context is probably a good starting point. So we acquired the Demon Cato brand in the middle of 2021. What was the thought process behind that? Why did we do it? Uh, well, I think Jake, there was there was a multiple level. Uh, thought process in that acquisition. Of course, there was this um, product, the Conlock product and the Roller Tray product that were were were, were that business. Um, but with Conlock, sorry, with Damon Cato as a, as a business, there were a, a number of associated manufacturing processes. And as a business since 2004, um, and I'm not sure how many people know this, but 40% of our business today um, is supplying um, products for OEMs to their specifications, invariably under licence and under um, NDA agreements. And um, it's a side of the business that we have developed with no real brand. And uh, this, we saw this Demon Cato as an opportunity to, as an umbrella uh, over the manufacturing side of our business. And so now everything that we manufacture for OEMs and also specialist manufacturers, and I'm going to use the word innovation because that tends to be where we're going with this brand, mm. um, we, we we manufacture under the brand Demicato. Okay. And there was, there was a bit of a legacy relationship before we acquired Demicato, wasn't there? The original owners, we were working with them? We... Yes, we were we were heavily involved in the in the supply chain uh, for that product. Uh, we had some elements of um, assistance with them in terms of getting the product from concept to to an actual live product, and that's been quite a collaboration. But the main driver, obviously, was was them in terms of the the innovation, mm. um, and there is that history with it. But uh, yeah, okay. And you mentioned a few minutes ago about it opened us up to a number of manufacturing capabilities. Could you take us through what they are? Yes, indeed. I mean, we've got the, the, the major uh, processes that we follow would be uh, steel, uh, sheet steel fabrications. Mm-hmm. Um, again, a variety of different processes there with press break, laser cutting, progressive um, punching, Roll, uh, rolling press and standard punch. Then we've got casting and forging, 
and a lot of our products under the OEM brand pretty much fall within either one of those three categories. But mm-hmm. with the casting and forging, you can imagine a, a cast product or a forged product is, is, is quite a raw individual when it comes off the, the machine. But it then has to go through what we call a second op, which has opened us up to turning and milling. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of ways in which we can turn that product from a from a raw casting or forging into a into a, a specific part that uh, can be used within multiple industries. Uh, we would do sintered steel products, um, injection mouldings, and then within within all of those categories, we've got the variety of materials. And probably the fastest um, or the, the more popular ones would be, uh, obviously carbon steels are, are the most popular. Aluminium, copper and stainless steel tend to be the, 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 the priority product um, materials okay and i suppose working with oem businesses i mean there's no there's no uh, limit really on industries and sectors within that is there absolutely not no it's it's uh, i think that's been the fun part of that side <laughs> of the business because there's there's so it's just literally is a blank sheet of paper i mean we've been very fortunate we've um we've we've grown that side of the business and we've we've been in the we're in the securities and door locks uh, we've got automotive products that we're supplying into the automotive industry which carries quite a heavy uh, quality control expectation mm. uh, building products uh, water management is a is an area that we've we've been very much aligned with since well the last 17 years um, which requires some really tight quality control aspects um, we do. We even do stage accessories. You know, we're supplying to uh, suppliers who supply to the theatres, and there's a variety. It's quite quite interesting the the things these pro- these sectors open up in terms of our knowledge. But there are a number of bracketry not dissimilar to the standard M and E bracketry and support systems, but they're designed purely for um, holding up or, or hanging or. Uh, supporting the stage stage management products, the screens, etc., um, and all of those all of those industries. That that's just a selection of the ones we're supplying today. Um, they all carry their own individual expectations in terms of quality, um, and then you've markets that we're supplying to would obviously be mainly the UK, but we have a growing demand now in uh, mainland Europe. And certainly into the Middle East, which has been a which has been quite a surprise and an interesting development for us. So it's certainly grown in success since the early days of two thousand and four. Well, absolutely. I mean, it was a it was a very much a, um, we were looking at ways in which we could expand Metro at that time. And one of the things that we felt that we were good at was the ability to work and develop products um, in lower cost manufacturing bases. Um, we had built up a network um, of people that we could work with uh, in the early days of the business. And our communication, the way that we go to market, the way that we deal with um, the, the, the people in those countries, was, was it worked very, very well. And we, we, we built a reputation with them. And they were, they were willing to listen and learn. And uh, to the point now that we're supplying some really... I wouldn't call them high tech, but certainly high spec mm. products uh, that month in, month out are arriving here for distribution onto our customers with 
no issues whatsoever. It's it's just they come in and they go out, and the customer uses them day in day out. And remember, in a lot of these products tend to be a byproduct. They tend to be a subcomponent of their finished product, mm. so they have to fit with whatever whatever else they're manufacturing as a as a complete product. And um, so we have to ensure that that happens time after time after time, and we do. So it's it's less that we're a manufacturer supplier to these companies. It's more that we're an extension to their to their business in a, in a sense. We've, Sorry, say that again. So it's it's less that we're it's less that we are a manufacturer and supplier to these customers. Instead, we're more of an extension to their business. If we're slotting in, making these components that fit, have to fit perfectly within the larger a larger uh, assembly. Well, we're, absolutely, we're integral to we're absolutely integral to um, their assembly process, and and um, if we don't meet the standards they expect, then we can stop a production line, and that is catastrophic mm. and costly, and one that we don't go down as a route. Uh, we ensure that um, we maintain. We, we'll come onto stocks probably later from absolutely. you, but in terms of the way that we we trade with our customers, we they get the, the surety and the guarantee of the quality of the product. Okay. Now, you've mentioned a few times uh, throughout this the word quality and how important it is. I mean, you've just, you've just mentioned it again there. I've, you know, in the communications that we've put out, and I know that our sales team have, have been saying the same thing as well, we, the, the level of control we have to apply to these OEM business products or components is incredibly tight like we have the tolerances that we're working to are so slim compared to the more standard range we apply that same level of quality control to the standard range though don't we we don't just go right that needs everything and this needs 10 percent. no not at all it's exactly the same so how do we control it then what's the what's that what does that process look like well from from us from the starting point we've got um people in country um they tend to be nationals and their sole function is to ensure that we receive all the um, quality documents into Metpro UK to ensure that our quality manager receives a full understanding of, of the, 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 the product, the dimensions, the finish, the certificates to support all of that, the material certification, um, to, uh, to allow us to inspect the goods, if you like, remotely now that's obviously done by the, the people in country uh, but that's only the first level of quality control in fact i'm probably lying that's the second level the first level obviously is inherent on the on the factory themselves to yeah. make sure they they do it as is a an inspection of um which is then translated to to or, or sent to the uk um our quality department here will receive that and go through it with a fine-tooth comb that will allow the release of the goods. Now, obviously, we want to ensure that that happens and the quality of the product is is exactly as we want it because it can. We don't want it to travel six thousand miles and it'd be wrong. Yep. So, it's it's a it's a barrier and it allows us to to put our foot on the ball and make sure that that we are likely to receive what we're being told. Um, that invariably ninety nine point nine percent of the time happens, and but then again, when the goods arrive in the UK. Uh, our own quality department go through exactly the same quality inspection and we probably take it a stage further in terms of things like material specification whilst we have a 
um, a certificate, we are able to uh, check the actual material specification and the chemical uh, analysis. So we can go and take it a stage further. So we can then in- endorse the paperwork that we've received to ensure that the, when we put the product on the shelf, ready for the customer's call-off, it is exactly as they want it. And I know that I've used this before. Um, I mean, you, you've certainly said it to me before as well, but in, in 27 years of trading, how many quality issues have we actually had that have reached market? Yeah, I think in terms of reaching market, um, less than less than five. Um, but they tend to be when they got to the, when they've got to the market. It's actually you find that it's rogue parts. Right. It's not an inherent. Um, it's not a reflection of the whole delivery. Okay. It tends to be rogue parts. I can probably say on less than two hands in ten years have we received products where we haven't we're not able to actually send it out um, because the product is not a true reflection of what we were expecting. But the beauty, again, was it never got into the market. It never has. We've never had a situation uh, where we've stopped a production line or where we've caused an, an, an ongoing problem because the product we've supplied doesn't work with the customer's requirement. Okay. Okay. I think I just want to switch it up a bit now and start to talk about how... Because Demon Cato, on the, for the whole, for wholesaler customers is all about innovation. You know, we've got Conlock, Roller Tray, Rapid Saddle within there. And I think what might be interesting to understand is how exactly these products came about. Because with with OEM customers, there is a, there's a relatively set process of how we operate. It begins with a, a request for an inquiry. We'll go away and do some work, come back with some costings. And then from there, it progresses to, you know, tooling, sample approval. And, you know, and we're working with the customer, holding hands all the way through it. Um, and then we bring stock in, hold it here, and they call off as they need to, um, which we can discuss more uh, afterwards. But what's the process? We how Because Rapid Saddle was an internal, it was conceived internally at Metpro Group, yep. and then we've done rapid prototyping in-house. We've built the models, done the stress tests, we've gone away and we've brought the product in, and now it's on the shelves. Mm-hmm. But unless I'm wrong, Roller Tray and Conlock were conceived by external that's right. People and we've developed the product in conjunction with them. Yes, because invariably, from an from an inventor's point of view, they develop a concept that they like. That doesn't necessarily mean to say you can manufacture that product physically. Mm. So we have to we have to look at it and be a part of the development of that from the concept to what is realistic. With Roller Tray, for instance, we uh, the, the product was 98% there in terms of the inventors and the, the concept and the process. But it did have one or two flaws with it, which we were able to assist and overcome. And we then looked at the process of manufacturing to ensure that we could make that without incurring major costs to achieve it. Right. Uh, Rapid Saddle was a, was certainly another one when we were looking at the, the, the concept was there, which is our concept, um, but we went through a number of, of prototypes because the initial prototype was, was fabulous. We loved it, but it, you couldn't make it. Yeah. Um, so we, we played with that, and the team here were, were diligent and stuck at it and eventually came up with the concept. Um, and the actual ability to manufacture the product at a relatively low cost basis, which 
is now what we've got sitting on the shelves yeah. and I will reflect back on what I said at the start now is time it's 90% labor savings just for anybody listening <laughs> <laughs> um and are there any other developments yeah there are I, I, we've we've talked about um the Conlock range and um the success that we've been able to add to that since we we uh, bought the business uh all those brands but we've recently launched the Conlock tube, mm-hmm. which is um, a, a natural progression to for range completion, um, and we've also launched the clean room products, uh, which are all Conlock related with the tube to suit. So those are another step forward. They're innovation, um, again allowing the the product to be used as a complete range. As I've said, um, they bring the time saving. Uh, implications into into the product as well um, and the the best bit I think now is because we we can offer that range completion we're that we're happy to stand behind it and endorse it with a seven-year warranty which as, as a range of products we're unaware of is is available in the market today okay okay uh, just for again for the purposes of people listening these products are now available and uh, for more information contact our contact our sales team okay so why are these products important? What's the thought process behind them? Why are we interested in bringing products like Conlock and Roller Tray and Rapid Saddle to the construction industry? I think it's innovation. I, I mean, my background for, um, goodness me, since 1987, so I, don't, I can't even count that far back, but my whole background has been built around the cable management industry. And um, I've throughout that time you see you see things you think of things you know you tend to have quite an active mind in in ways in which we can improve and cable management as a product range generally hasn't really developed much beyond what when it was invented whether it was the the turn of the last century for conduit or the mid 50s 60s for trunking and tray it's been fairly static so you know there are little things that we can we've we've been looking at, and and that's where we're trying to invite innovation. I think part of our in our brochure, our website, we we utilise those fields to to let people know and invite them in. We're working on a couple of products today that uh, have come about. They're they're end user led uh, through through one of our customers, and we've had conversations with them about their concept, the uh, the benefits and features that that they bring. Um, and the opportunity to, for us to introduce a product into the market that, 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 does, offer, that does offer savings in terms of installation costs, etc., um, I, I tend to be the way people want to go now. There's, there's, there's a necessarily an expectation, but there is a, people are more willing these days to consider um, that there is a slightly de- different way to bring products to market that, that can offer these these um, advantages without when they don't necessarily look that different to the original design yeah I think that's quite key to I mean that was the whole I remember uh, rapid saddle being developed and um, I think a couple of early iterations of the product looked quite different to your traditional saddles and you know we, we quickly uh, you know, kibosh them because we just thought, no, no, people won't go for it because they need that. They want innovation, but the familiarity also needs to be there. Yeah, exactly. um, so, yeah, okay, I see where you're coming from. And 
have you got a have you got a, a vision have you got like a where you where you see the the demon kato innovations brand going i think there's a great opportunity um with the demon kato brand in terms of innovations i think the the market is as i said receptive to ideas uh, we are working with our um our development product development department continuously looking at opportunities we are expanding the opportunity with um, with innovation and in, in, inventors um, and trying to cajole people into bringing those concepts to us. And I think it's probably important to say at this stage, because I think a lot of people perhaps have ideas and are worried that um, their idea is going to slip away from them because they're, you know, it's their idea and they don't know how, how they can hold on to yeah. it. We have, um, we would be, and we do work with people today. We have we're more than happy to sign up to all sorts of um, sensible NDAs that give complete control of the product and the and the the design to the inventor. Um, what we're trying to do is to smooth that pathway from their their idea and their invention and make it a product that that uh, has legs. It is a, it is able to be manufactured. It is at the right cost and allows us to to go to the market with this type of innovation. So it's, it's, it really is, again, an open field, and, and that's why I'd like to invite on the back of this podcast anybody that's got those ideas, your rights and your designs uh, would be 100% remain with you, um, and we can then talk about how we can get that to the next stage for you if we can be the, the, the vehicle for that. Okay. For anybody listening who that's kind of um, that's resonated with or, or has been thinking about doing something like this and wasn't quite sure where to go, by all means, get in touch. Uh, email us. We'll put the uh, a couple of email addresses and other bits of contact information uh, in the description for this for this episode below on whichever platform you're you're listening on. Um, and yeah, we, like just to just to echo what Arthur just said, we encourage it. Please talk to us. Um, there's no obligation at all. Uh, come and see us. We can do it remotely either way. Um, and yeah, see, see how we can uh, help you develop it. Um, I, I think we've, we've covered quite a lot there and I hope that people listening have got a, a more, a deeper understanding of, of Demon Cato outside of the, um, the you know, the fast fix, conduit system of conlock which also offers 75 percent labor savings um and so i think one last a couple of last questions for you really arthur one's going to catch you off guard so my apologies but uh firstly demon cato the brand acquired july in of july 21 has it been worth it 100 percent. it's been uh like i said it's, it, it was a it was a, a multi-layered opportunity We've brought in a, a, a successful product and brand in Conlock and Roller Tray. We've further enhanced that and developed that beyond where it was at that point. Um, and at the same time, we've then been able to, to rebrand our manufacturing and OEM's bespoke business under this, this, this Demon Cato brand, which, which we feel puts a title on us and it makes it more meaningful it, it gives people a, a target and an understanding um, rather than a very sort of glib yeah we can manufacture your products for you it, it begins to put a, um, ownership into it and that's what we want to try and get the message across for yeah I agree with that I think there's a certain level of maturity with 
with our brand now and the way we take ourselves to market and it's certainly resonated with a number of people um within the within the industry people i've spoken to and the feedback i get from our from our sales team so uh yeah i think it's absolutely been been a fantastic move um, last question um what do you believe is the main consideration for uk businesses within the construction industry at the moment i think what we've we're in a situation where costs are at um, an all-time high um, in terms of not just product but labour and, and all the other associated costs with, with uh, our industry. So I think what we've got to try and do is be very purposeful in our thoughts, try and understand and, and use that word again, innovate, um, the, the opportunity to create products that will do the same job, that will save time, um, and allow people to actually save money throughout the, their process and be more economical. Whilst never compromising on quality. Absolutely not, no. Excellent. Well, Arthur, thank you for that. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and thanks again for taking the time out of your uh, very busy day to talk to us. Um, as always, anybody listening, you can uh, connect with myself and Arthur and the, the, the majority of our team on LinkedIn. Uh, you can follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram and also YouTube. And uh, just to reiterate the point from earlier, anybody out there who's who's got uh, a product idea, maybe you've been stewing on it for a while, refining it over, over a number of years, or something that you're working on site and you think, oh, I wish we could do this in this way, talk to us. Um, there'll be contact information uh, against the against the description for this episode. And uh, yeah, we'd, we'd love to have a conversation with you and, and see where we can take things. So uh, as always, thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thank you.